Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into Life Learnings. We're delighted to have your company. Life Learnings is a program that shares information with people. It can be people's experiences, their life journey, but also their expertise in specific areas. Now, I have a very special guest in the studio today. Her name is Sandy Sturgis, and she is the Australian office manager for a very important organization that operates out of Kenya, out of the city of Nakuru, and is called Mission in Action. Sandy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. Now, I was over in Nakuru for a different reason. I was visiting there just to do a mission program, and I ended up meeting a man by the name of Ivan Budalika and his wife, Dama. Now, Dama, that's only half a name. How do you pronounce her name? Damaris. Damaris. Okay, <laughs> right. And these people um, are running an orphanage. They're mum and dad to 80 people. Mm-hmm. 80 children. And yeah. Some of them are like infants. They're not even a year old. Some of them are a matter of months old. And then some of them are up to, I think, 18 years of age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about Mission in Action? I've probably just given a little bit of it away. But can you tell us what they do? Well, Mission in Action started 15 years ago. Uh, Ivan moved from Australia. He had uh, three properties in Australia and he sold his three properties He felt he was called by God Mm. to uh, move to Kenya. Yes. And uh, he sold three properties. He, um, just before he sold his three properties, he um, got cold feet and um, had second thoughts about uprooting his three children and moving over to Kenya. So he said to God, um, God, if you really want me to do this, then mm. you need to sell these properties within a month. Yeah. And uh, not really believing that was, that, happen. that was going to be possible because one of the properties um, in particular wasn't really a desirable property and he never really thought it would sell. Mm. And um, as it happened, the three properties sold within two weeks. And all three of them, and the one that he didn't think would sell, sold for far more than he thought that he would get for it. So, well, that's the direct answer to prayer. You can't really can't argue with that, can you? Can't argue with that. So he moved over to Kenya and um, started Mission in Action. Wow. Now, look, having been there, I mean, it sounds very adventurous and Africa is such a beautiful place with all the wild animals and what we see, you know, on television quite often with the documentaries that paints this incredible picture. And it is a beautiful place. I recommend visiting it. But when you're there, you realize that the first world or the developed world, uh, things that you take for granted, you know, all the amenities and uh, just all the conveniences, they're not quite there in Africa. And it is a bit of a sacrifice to go and live there. So I can understand perhaps where he was maybe getting a little bit of cold feet thinking, well, this is quite a sacrifice. It's quite a to take your children away from what they know and the lifestyle you have here. And things are very easy here compared to there. But the Lord obviously wanted him to go there because he answered his prayer and and off he went. He definitely did want him to go there. And um, when he arrived there, he realized that that babies were dying in hospitals Mm. over in Kenya. Um, There were other projects working with children in Kenya, and that's what he thought he would do. He thought he would start a children's home in Kenya because back in those days, 15 years ago, there were many people dying in the AIDS crisis. And um, so there were a lot of parents dying and grandparents were raising children and they were getting old and passing away. So there were a lot of orphans. Mm. And um, 
children's homes were taking children, but no one was taking babies. Babies were very expensive to look after with the high level of care that they needed. They needed one-on-one care or two-on-one care plus the cost of formula. Mm. So no children's homes were taking babies. Babies were left in government hospitals and um, babies were dying because of neglect in the government hospitals. The nurses weren't able to keep up with the level of care that the babies were needing. Because there were so many babies. Because there were so many brand new born babies. And they were dying in the government hospitals. So um, Ivan and his family started the first baby home in Nakuru, Kenya. Mm. And um, that's where Mission in Action started 15 years ago. Wow, so there was a need. No one was fulfilling that need. No and one that's was where fulfilling. Ivan stepped in. That's wow. where he stepped in. Okay, and I believe that one of the first children he's taken under his wing uh, grew up there over the 15 years, is now 18 plus years old. Isaac. 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 And he's still with us. He's, Isaac goes to high school now, and he's just a beautiful young man. Mm. Um, yeah, he's just his dad's boy. He couldn't be more like his father if he was born to Ivan. He's like a little Ivan. Wow. So, yes. Now, I did meet a he's young a man. Character. I just can't remember his name now, but this is a young man who's interested in evangelism and that. I wonder if it's the same young man. That's Joshua. That's Joshua. That's right. About, okay. Yeah. It's Joshua that I thought of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I met some of these people. We actually went to Ivan's place and they were so hospitable. They um, gave us food. We had a beautiful meal, delicious food uh, that uh, the children had cooked and his wife had cooked for us. And we mm. ate there twice. Mm. And uh, he's been able to set up his beautiful facility, a loving, caring environment. But the thing that blew me away, there's 80 children there now. Mm how well-behaved these children are because obviously there's boundaries for the children and they seem to be thriving under that environment. Mm. Um, yeah, remarkable. So, okay, Ivan starts this, uh, starts this program, obviously just on a small scale. They have one child come in, and then what happens subsequent to that? Well, he never expected it to get as big as what it did. Mm. And um, he always thought that he would just take a few babies and raise those in a family-style home. Right. But the need over there is just so great Mm. that um, it just grew and grew. And um, we now have over 80 children that we're looking after. Um, But Mission in Action not only has a children's home, we do a lot of work within our community as well because we try and prevent families from relinquishing their children. So Mm. we do a lot of work empowering families, giving them um, support so that they're not um, in a position where they have to uh, relinquish their children. So starting families in small businesses, helping them with agriculture, Um, We've set up a lot of families with um, water tanks so they have tanks so they have access to clean water. Okay. Is that an issue there? It really is an issue Mm. because um, in our area there's only a couple of sources of water for the whole area. So um, people use those couple of sources for washing They use them for their cows, goats. They bathe 
in that water. So mm. the water source is very dirty and very unhealthy. And uh, do they use it for drinking water as well? They or? And they go and collect their water for drinking mm. from that source of water and they get sick. Oh. So we've installed way over 200 water tanks to um, people's home, elderly people, disabled people, um, single mothers, so that they don't have to walk many, many kilometres to access this dirty water. Right. So it's obviously the time involved. If you've got to walk kilometres, you know, and then you've got to come back with these cumbersome heavy buckets or whatever you have to carry this water, and you've got to do that on a daily basis, you're actually saving people a lot of time, especially with the elderly. Mm. You mentioned the elderly Mm. there. It must be very tough Mm. for them. Is there any social welfare in uh, Kenya? There's no social, social welfare or any type of pension or government assistance for people at all. So if you can't work mm. or look after yourself, you have no support whatsoever. Wow. So people have to eke out a living mm. in some way so themselves. Unless, you, unless you're in an environment where you've got family and children that will help look after you as you get older, That's right. you're in deep trouble. That's why family is so important in Kenya. Mm. That's why people have children, so therefore they hope that those children that they give birth to will look after them in their older age. Right. So here we put money aside and your, your job would put 9.5% aside into superannuation. Over there you've got no such thing. There's no superannuation. There's no pension. And your children really is your superannuation. That's your right. Pension. That's wow. right. So if family is so important, how is it that – can you tell us the, the circumstances behind why people would actually abandon their children? What is it that would make them do that? They abandon their children to an orphanage because they think that the orphanage is the best thing for their child. Mm. They think that in a Western-run orphanage or in an orphanage that their child's going to get an education, that they're going to get good meals, that that's going to be more than what they can provide their child. So they think the child is better off? They think their child is better off. Wow. Now, we're not talking about people who are um, unconcerned about the welfare of the children, obviously. Mm. These are people who are loving parents, Mm. who are struggling to the point where they think, well, I cannot provide for my child. Mm. I can't provide food, enough food. I can't provide education or sanitized living. You know, Mm. they might get sick. Uh, I guess the the mortality rate is quite high there as Mm. well, and infant mortality. So these aren't just necessarily bad people who are abandoning their children. Not necessarily. Mm. Not necessarily. So therefore, as soon as a child is abandoned and we receive a call to receive a child, we immediately start looking for the mother. Okay. So are these instances where the mother might be a solo mum or is it, can it be instances also where there's already an established family, a father and it's a mother? It's generally and... a single mother that's abandoned a child. Okay. Generally, that's what we've found. It's a single mother... Mm. who's scared and frightened and she's abandoned a child. And if it's ever an abandonment due to poverty, we always can solve that problem. Okay. So we always want to find the mother mm. in that case. Um, it's it's crucial that we find her in the first few weeks or otherwise the trail runs fairly cold okay. after that. Right. So as soon as that child is placed with us, Mm. we immediately work with the police in the area that she's abandoned the child 
and we immediately start looking for her. Okay. So are there instances where the mum just disappears and you don't know who the mother yeah, is? Yeah, often. If she doesn't want to be found that and she happen. doesn't want to raise that child, then we, you you just won't find her. Right. Okay. And there be are there any other reasons apart from... I mean, there could be a number of reasons, but they, are there any other reasons, like maybe legal reasons, why mums would go into hiding after they've abandoned a child? There are. It's mm. actually illegal to abandon your child in Kenya. Okay. If you're caught for abandoning your child, you get a four-year jail term in four prison. Four years? Four years. And what happens to the child at that stage? Because, I mean, can, can children grow up in prison? The children can stay with their mother in prison if... But it's not an odd environment. Um, it's it's not a nice environment up to a certain point, and mm. then they're they're put into an orphanage. But in the case of a mother who's abandoned her child, yeah. I don't think they'd they'd put a child with that mother okay, in prison. Be, I think that child the child would go already. straight into an orphanage. Mm. Wow. Okay, so you do some uh, work with. Uh, abandoned children, orphaned children, and sometimes the parents cannot be found so that the orphan just stays with um, mm-hmm. Mission in Action. But also you mentioned you do some community work. Mm-hmm. And I also know there's another part of your business, mm-hmm. where you, your outreach, your ministry mm-hmm. that you do over in Kenya, and that deals specifically with this issue we're talking about now, mm-hmm. which is uh, mums, single mums, mm-hmm. abandoning their children. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. So Mission in Action received a call to rescue a, a newborn baby who'd been thrown into a pit latrine, which is a long drop toilet, oh. a toilet which has just been dug into the ground. Mm. His mother had given birth to him. He still had the placenta attached and he'd been thrown into this toilet. And the villagers could hear him cry um, when he was in the toilet, so they rescued him mm. and they rushed him to the hospital. The police called Ivan and Damaris and asked them to take the baby right. and they rushed to the hospital to be with him while he was being treated mm. by the doctors. And they were by his bedside looking after him while the doctors were treating him. Um, unfortunately... He died on the same day that he was born Mm. of secondary drowning from that um, incident. Yeah. He was born perfectly healthy, that little boy. We called him Max, Mm. and he was born perfectly healthy. He should never have died. Yes. His mother should never have thought that that was her best option. Mm. And it was on that day that... I just decided we had to do more to give these mothers a better option than to think that throwing their child into a pit latrine was the best thing that they could do. Yeah. So we started a program for women in trauma. Mm. We started a um, women's refuge. It's called One Tribe Mamas Project. Okay. And it offers vulnerable women who are vulnerable to um, abandoning their children or who have abandoned their children. And it offers them 
a 12-month program or longer. It just depends on the mother. Mm. Um, first off, they get a period of therapy where they just come in and they just adjust to the environment and they get a period of therapy. Mm. And then they learn some business skills and they're taught to sew products. Okay. So we teach them to sew beautiful and practical products, mm. which we bring to Australia to sell for them. Okay. And this becomes their own little business because we don't believe in charity. Mm. We believe in giving them a hand up, yes. not a handout. Nobody wants a handout. Right. People want a job. Mm. They don't want a handout. So each product, they make tote bags, they make reusable shopping bags, they make aprons, table runners, and they're beautiful products. So for each product that they sew, they receive a wage, which they use to feed their family for that day. Okay. And um, they also receive savings, mm. and they record their savings in a little book so they can watch it grow. Right. And um, after six months, they receive access to their savings. Mm. And they can do whatever they want with their savings. They're free to do whatever they want. Okay. We um, don't restrict them in any way, but we also we do counsel them okay, leading so you, up to... Do you give them guidance, but it's up to them what they It's they up to them. They They're empowered. Mm. Yeah, so the savings are where we're really seeing them change their lives. And um, some of the things that the ladies have done with their savings have been one lady has started her daughter in a simple business, a hairdressing salon. Another lady has built um, a simple house on some family land mm. that she has. Another lady, um, her, her parents passed away and um, her siblings, none of them work. So they haven't been able to secure the title deeds on the land in their names. Right. So the land's sort of just been up in the air. Mm. So they've secured the title deeds, gone through the courts to secure the title deeds. And this was deeds. all through that um, all through savings? All the savings mm. that they've accrued. What a wonderful concept. So you can see that they're really doing worthwhile things mm. with their savings, and we're just so proud of them for that. Well, they've got someone that's believing in them, and uh, quite often, you know, they've gone through some really difficult relationships as well. Um, but I, I was there, and I went to the place where they were actually working. So it was their uh, their little business they mm. were running with the sewing that you mentioned, and then they also had the housing at the back there yes. where the mums and the the babies were uh, were kept together, and they could work and they could spend time with the child. It was a wonderful little setup, and when we were there at the time, I think there were sixteen ladies that mm -hmm. were that was at that uh, that spot there with the, the one tribe mamas. Now, if people want to buy some of these products, can they buy it here in Australia? You definitely can. You can buy it from our website. Okay, so what is the website? The website's www.missioninaction.com.au. Okay, so Mission in Action, all one word, mm -hmm. .com .au. Yeah. And they can buy these products there, and that then goes to help support the work of Mission in Action and the One Tribe Mamas. That's right. One Tribe Mamas is a community project of Mission in Action. It mm. all comes under the same umbrella. Okay, mm. fantastic. Well, I, I could just see the joy and the hope in the eyes of these young ladies because to go through all that trauma, to think that your best option is to leave your child, mm. not all of them are obviously abandoned in the trends. 
you know, the, the pits, mm. you know, the, the long drops. Some of them abandon them at hospitals. They go into mm. a hospital and leave them there because they want them to be taken care of, and then they and then they disappear. And uh, they also know if they do get caught, like you mentioned before, they could end up in prison for four years. That's right. Hmm. Have you got any stories to share with us in regards to some of these young ladies and what they've mm. gone through and what's happened to them? We received a call to take a seven-month-old baby, um, which we named Chloe. She was left abandoned on the street, mm. um, in the street of Nakuru. And um, a passerby found her and took her to the police station. Right. And um, the police called Ivan and Damaris to come and collect her. And so we brought her back to Mission in Action. Mm. And our social worker immediately started, as I said with you, we immediately started looking for her mother in the area where she was abandoned, Mm. asking people, have you seen, did you hear, anything like that. So... You, you never know what you're going to find. You, you, you generally you don't find anything, but sometimes you can. Mm. So you guys, in a sense, have to even be private investigators. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. we're very motivated to find the mother if we can. Mm. So the police are busy. You know, we have sure. to do it ourselves. We're very motivated for that baby to find the mother if we possibly can, because we don't want the baby to grow up in a children's home if we can find the mother. Right. Okay. So. Chloe's mum had abandoned her um, and she immediately regretted it. The following day, unbeknownst to us at this point, she, at a great risk to herself, she actually went into the police station closest to where she was, where she abandoned that baby. And she asked um, at the police station where did that baby go that was abandoned close by? And um, the police started questioning her and um, they told her she just wanted to know if the baby was safe and was in a safe place. Mm, so that shows her level of care and yep. regard for the child yep. because she knows she was now risking her own freedom for about four years. That's exactly right. She yeah. knew, but she had to know that that baby was safe. Mm. So what her story was, she was very young. Her parents had died and she was living with her siblings, none of whom worked. Mm. They were trying to eke out some kind of living. Um, She was 18 and a boy came along, as they always do, Mm. and offered her some kind of life. So she took that. And she fell pregnant. And as soon as she had the baby, he lost interest in her. He gave her the equivalent of $5. Which would be like 500 shillings or Mm. something like that. Yeah. And told her to leave with the baby and never come back. Mm. So she was desperate. She didn't know what to do. She had nothing with the siblings. They couldn't feed her and the baby. Yeah. And they wouldn't take her now that she'd had the baby Mm. and she couldn't go back to the boyfriend's house. He had already moved on with somebody else. So she was on the street with this baby. No hope, no support from anybody. There's no government agency. There's nowhere to go. And, you know, she was going through that 500 shillings. She probably had gone through that with food. 
So she thought if she left the baby on the street, there would be somebody who would pick up that baby and be able to look after it Mm. better than what she would. That was her thinking. So she put the baby down and... um, That must have been very hard. The next day, regretted it Mm. terribly. So she went into the police station knowing full well that um, she would be imprisoned. And um, she asked the police and they put her into prison. Wow. So as soon as the police called Ivan and Dom, because they knew where the baby was, Mm. they knew that that girl was asking after the baby that was at Mission in Action. Yes. The police, um, actually our social worker, found out that the mother was in jail. Mm. And um, because he was asking around and he found out that the mother was in jail. So Ivan and Damaris appeared in court when she went to court for her sentencing. Okay. To be sentenced. They appeared in court on her behalf. Oh, really? So they went and, in a sense, represented her? Yep, to speak to the judge. Ah, okay. Which you can do in Kenya. Mm. That's something that you can do. They spoke to the judge and pleaded with the judge and said to the judge, we have a program called One Tribe Mamas Mm. where we reunite babies with their mothers. Would it be at all possible for you to release this mother to be reunited with her baby rather than her languishing in a prison and her baby being raised in an orphanage. Yeah, over that four-year period. Over that four-year mm. period. But look, uh, Sandy, that's uh, the end of our first half. Uh, dear listener, we are just going to take a short break here and we can hear the rest of the story when we come back. Stay tuned. Look again. Can you see me? God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The Bible tells us many stories of people who were in the very presence of God, but were completely unaware of it. For example, in Genesis 28, we find a story about Jacob. He's been traveling all day. His mind's occupied with fleeing from Esau. And as night comes, he finds a place to sleep. And during the night, he receives that famous dream of the ladder connecting heaven to earth. When he wakes up, he realized he had missed the opportunity of seeing God around him. And he exclaims in verse 16, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And then in the New Testament, Jesus' own disciples, they didn't even recognize that they were walking with him on the road to Emmaus. Sometimes as we read these stories, we can say to ourselves, how could they not know that they were in the very presence of God? And yet, what about us? What causes us to miss God's presence and activity in our daily life? Over the next few episodes, we're going to explore ways to see God's presence in our daily life. And I guarantee you, that as you become more aware of God's presence throughout the day and in your life, worry, discouragement, 
fear will lose their power over you. So to start today, try and look for what God is doing right in front of you. And remember, live your faith. Have a blessed day. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us here on this program. And my special guest in the studio is Sandy Sturgis. She is the Australian Office Manager for Mission in Action, which is a ministry that runs an orphanage and a few other things, uh, another organization called um, One Tribe Mamas in Nakuru in Kenya. Now, just before the break, Sandy, you were telling us the story of this dear lady who felt the best option for her was to abandon her child because someone else could look after her. She just burned through the money that the boyfriend had given her when he pushed her out the door, basically, 500 shillings, which is about five U.S. dollars. And at the age of seven months old, this baby was then left in the street. She struggled with that and just think, I've got to make sure the baby's okay because she was hoping that someone would pick up the baby and look after it. She went to the... Um, the police station Mm -hmm. and she knew that she would be arrested but she was so concerned about her child that obviously shows us that this person is not someone that's just careless and reckless Mm. in regards to she had a high regard for the child and thought that was the best option but then in a sense probably traumatized um, went and found that the baby was okay but then she got arrested she was then going to go in front of the judge Um, we've got Ivan and Damaris hearing about this they then appear at the same time when she's in the court for the sentencing for the four years. She was expecting four years, and they have a word to the judge. Now, what happens when they appear before the judge? So they pleaded with the judge to allow the mother and baby to be reunited because there's no sense in a mother being put in jail and a baby being raised in an orphanage. And we were just praying that the judge would see this and would allow the mother and baby to, although it's against Kenyan law, we were hoping that he would allow us to keep the mother and baby together. Mm. Um, And thankfully, he... And we, we are just still so grateful to this day that he did this. He released um, this mother Mm. into our care and she was released into the One Tribe Mamas project. Okay. And her baby was reunited with her after a period of her receiving some therapy and um, we had to make sure that we could trust her with the baby and mm. the court had to be happy that she was trustworthy with the baby. Okay, so you've got some processes set in place to ensure the safety of the mm. child as well oh, because obviously these are people you don't know. You don't know whether they are just being reckless mm-hmm. or whether it's just circumstance. Mm. Okay, so once these, you've gone through that process, she was the baby and the mother were reconciled. Reconciled. Wow. And today we're just, this is a year on. Mm. We're just so proud of Angela. Yes. She's worked extremely hard she's a shining star in our program she's mm. a mentor and a role model to the younger not even younger ladies but the ladies that have come after her because she's still so young she's only 19 years old yes but she's like a manager she's taken on a managerial role in our program she takes on a lot of responsibility she's very trustworthy mm. she works extremely hard and her bond with her baby is just incredible. It's just 
beautiful to see. Look, I met her when we were mm. over there when we went to visit One Tribe Mamas. Mm. And she was the one that actually took us for a tour. She was a young lady. And when I mentioned the, the hope and the enthusiasm and spark of life that I saw in the eyes, it was Angela's mm. eyes that I saw it in. And she did a wonderful job. She spoke good English, explained what they were doing there, how it all worked. Yeah, what an inspiration she was to us when we met her. Now, this is a young lady who'd been dealt a bad hand in mm. life. Parents are dead got siblings who aren't working, couldn't be supported by anybody. Then a knight in shining armor, so she thought, shows up, sells her a story, and as soon as the child is born, then he pretty much abandons her and the child. And she's got no chance, no hope of income or anything. And you can see the fact that she was, when she was given an opportunity, how she's grasped that opportunity with both hands, and she's doing a wonderful work there with One Tribe Mamas, not only for herself, not only for her and her child, but also being a positive influence on the other young ladies that come into that um, that ministry. She really is. Mm. You must have a number of stories you can share. Mm. I mean, every life that you impact there is, is a life that is better for it, not only the individual, but quite often the family as well, and the child, future life. Because quite often these kids, when they are abandoned, I mean, there's a level of trauma there, isn't it? And it mm. takes a long time to get over it, if they even can get over it. Mm. Yeah. There always is. Um a lot of our children, you know, have been abandoned in the hospital and, and they're the lucky children, really. Mm. Um, that's probably the best case scenario for the children. That doesn't happen so much anymore because there's so many, so much more security in the hospitals these days. Right. Um, and they've put security in place because there were so many children abandoned in hospitals. So mm. now, unfortunately... Um, people are abandoning children outside On of the, the street. hospital, so it's a lot more like dangerous the with, for the babies. With Angela, for yeah. example, yeah. Mm. yeah. So we've had one little boy, and you would have met him, and he's uh, just a beautiful boy. He was um, placed in a plastic bag, and he was thrown into a fire oh. as, as a newborn mm. baby. And he's squirming and he wriggled and he wriggled off the fire, luckily. Wow. And he managed to only have one little burn Mm. on his leg, which he still has a scar on his leg today. Mm. And he calls that. His man scar. His man scar. Yeah. Right. He's, you know, quite proud of his his man scar today. But when I see, I I know these stories of the children, and when I see them today, he's mm. so special. And everybody that meets this boy, he loves Spider Man. He's so gentle and he's so sensitive, and he's so smart. Mm. And everybody that meets him just loves him. Right. I wish his mother could meet him today. Mm. I really do. Yeah. If you could meet this boy. We've had one um, little baby. There's um, uh, just in the community below us. Um, his mother gave birth to him in mm. the middle of the night in um, a, the shamba, which is the paddock okay. below us. And it gets very cold in Nakuru at mm. night. It gets down to 
maybe 10 degrees at night. Yes, so. and for them that is very cold because uh, they are on the equator, but mm. they're about 1,650 meters above sea level. Yeah. So what happens is your daytime temperature can be very pleasant, but they do have a cooler season, obviously, and a warmer season. Mm-hmm. But at night, the temperature can drop quite a lot. Mm. And I remember when it was like 15 degrees there, people were wearing scarves. Mm. Um, actually, it might even be warmer than that. And I'm sitting there just in a normal shirt, mm. and they're saying, where's your jacket? Mm. And I go, what? Well, I don't need a jacket. But obviously, their, their climatization is, is used to the tropical kind of weather. So when the temperature does drop, it, uh, it can affect them in a big way compared to, say, people who are used to colder weather, mm. like us. Yeah. So this little boy, um, his mother gave birth to him in this paddock mm. overnight and then ran off straight after she gave birth to him. So he was a brand new tiny baby left in a paddock, yeah. naked. He should have died mm. in that paddock. And Is this a recent story? He's um, five now. Five now, okay. So um, he was crying. And um, the villagers heard him, thankfully, Mm. and they called Ivan because Ivan, um, although there's other projects there, they always know Ivan will help. Mm. Ivan has, like, the community ambulance because he is always willing to to drive people to the hospital no matter what time of the day or the night. Right. So the chief of the village called him and said, quick, we have a baby, you have to help. Mm. Um, We don't ever get our babies directly. It's always through the police. But this baby was going to die. Yeah. So they rushed this baby up and just so happened we had um, a neonatal nurse there yeah. and she said straight away it had to be skin to skin contact to keep this baby warm. Yeah. So we put him skin to skin contact and immediately took him to the hospital and um because he was so exposed mm. they didn't know whether he would live. Right. Um but thankfully he did because he he's through. just is like the light of our lives and he's Really, academically, he's crazy intelligent. Mm. He's um, attending a class which is one or two years above his level. Incredible. And he's number one in his class. Mm. And he um, enters singing competitions at school, which is very prestigious in Kenya. And he Absolutely. Wins they love their music in very. Kenya. And can they sing well? I've yeah. heard some beautiful music there and beautiful choir music, incredible music. And he's he he wins on a national level. He's just an amazing child. And again, mm. if his mother could see him, he's a little star. Yeah. These children, they're so special. I always yes. think, how do we get the most special children mm. in the world? Each one of them. And you know Joshua, like yes, Joshua's incredible. He's an incredible child. He was abandoned at the hospital, mm. and um, he's come to us when he was just a few months old. And um, he's an incredible public speaker. He achieved number one in all of Kenya for public speaking. Yeah, wow. Um, He's just achieved great things. He wants to be a pastor. Mm. When he grows up, that's his greatest desire, and he wants to speak all over the world. 
He was doing some programs even when we were there, and then uh, my friend Rui, who we traveled with, actually gave him all his PowerPoint slides and notes and that, and he was going to use that and practice on that, and he was going to run his own programs. He says Uncle Rui was going to help him be a pastor yeah. when he leaves school. So That's right. That's something that he's telling people now. Oh, is he, t- is he talking about it? Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Look, so all he's these... got to do high school first, mm, but sure. he said that's in the future. Yeah, all these kids are remarkable. I mean, every every child's life, you know, whether they're an uh, achiever or not, is, is precious. But there are some outstanding children amongst these that have been rescued, which the world would not have had the benefit of if it wasn't for what uh, the work that the Mission in Action does. I know. They are. They're mm. just amazing children. And I put it down to the fact that they're raised in a family. That's the thing that got me when I first went there. When I first took on the role um, nine years ago, Mm. I said to my husband, I can't do this role unless I've been there. I can't talk to people about this place without going there and seeing it. It's just just not me. Yes. I have to go there and see it firsthand Mm. or I can't discuss this place with people. So um, my family, my husband and my two children, Three months after I took on the role, we went over there and everything that I hoped that it was going to be and I desperately hoped that's what it was going to be so that I could do this role, there was a mother and a father living in a house Mm. with their family. I've never, ever seen that in any organisation I've ever been to. I was it's, blown away by it as well. It's not a perfect family. My family's not perfect. Mm. You can come and pick holes in my family any day. Sure. None, of, not, none of our families are perfect. They're not you know, perfect. We do the best we can. That's right. Yeah. They're a big, beautiful, loving, messy family. Mm. They're a family. The mum and mum and dad live in the same home. Yes. With their children. And mum and dads do that and they still have the energy to help people. I don't see Ivan run out of energy for people in the community. They are remarkable people. And one of the things I also know is that Ivan doesn't actually draw a salary. No, he doesn't. All the funding that comes in there, he doesn't use a centre there. No, he doesn't. He's trying to make some money on the side so he can provide for himself. He uh, does not use. Yeah. I can vouch for that because I'm the one who sends all of the money and who allocates all of the money. Mm. Um, he does not draw a salary from any of the donations that go across. That's right. He tries to make money on the side with, you know. Buying and selling yeah, and trading. That's yes. right. Yeah. Buying and selling things. Mm. Um, obviously, before he went to Kenya, he was he worked very hard. He's, he's a worker. He works twenty four seven. Yeah, and he still tries to do that to make his own money so he can come to Australia, which all of his travelling he pays for himself. Mm. None of that comes out of mission money. He That's right. and he tries to make money on the side so he can come and visit his own children. Mm. His his um, daughters in Australia and his granddaughter and things so 
Yes. Yeah, he tries very hard to do that. Yeah, no, remarkable. And like you're saying, they just uh, are like almost like a normal family, except that they're very big. There's 80-odd cho- mm. children. Mm. Uh, there were about 80, 81 there. And I know sometimes it goes even as high as 100 in the past, you know, they've worked through while they're looking for people, while they're looking for the mums and so on. It's higher now. Uh, We've really? just taken um, three new baby boys. Wow. Well, when we were there just uh, two, three months ago, um, they just taken on a young baby who'd been abandoned as well. But you could see the bond between Ivan and the little child and also the bond between him and, and Damaris, the little boy. Um, and when they saw us, we were strangers. The little kids started crying because they didn't know us at all, weren't familiar with our faces. And um, I could tell then with the older kids and the younger kids, they're interacting. All of them call them mum and dad. Yeah. It's just it's just a big family, and if it wasn't for them, what would have happened to these children? How many children would have mm. been lost? You know, there would be maybe street children, or mm. they may not even have survived. It is an incredible, incredible ministry. Every newborn that comes into the house, every newborn that they receive, mm. starts their first three to six months by their bedside. Yeah, wow. Ivan and Damaris have them in a cradle Mm. by their bed. I've seen them with three babies in their room at night at a time. Yeah, and they've done with with the the bigger (laughs) bigger portion of their children. For years. It it wouldn't be easy. We should put this in perspective. Quite often people have one or two and go, I don't know if I can have another one. It's just so much work. But these guys are doing it. You know, month in and month out, and there's continuous influx of children. Contin- like this has been for so many years. Fifteen years now, yeah. Paul, at the right this minute, mm. Dummer's spent the last four days in hospital with a brand new baby boy, mm. Noel. He has just come to us, and he was also thrown into a pit latrine, mm. but he survived. But he has a, an infection, and we're very worried. Right. A septic infection. She's been in hospital with him for the past four days. Mm. 24 hours a day, he's not eating, and she has to feed him with a spoon. So they're, it's their children. Yes. And they've got a connection with all. They know Absolutely. all their names, and the, the oh, children yeah. have a connection with them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Remarkable. People can get access to some of these stories on social media. Mm-hmm. Can you tell you us a little bit how they can... follow us on Facebook. Okay, so you're on Facebook. What would they type in if they need to find you? Uh, Mission in Action Kenya. Mission in Action Kenya, okay. Is our main Facebook page. Hmm. We also have a Facebook page for One Tribe Mamas Project. Okay. Uh, that's where we mainly just put list uh, things that we sell, the bags and... That the mamas make. Right, okay. Mm. Oh, very good. And if people don't have Facebook, they can still find information on your website. Yeah. And the website's um, www.missioninaction.com.au. Okay, so that's uh, Mission in Action, one word, all written together, mm-hmm. .com.au. And if they want to find you on social media, they can find you on Facebook, and it's Mission in Action Kenya. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, just in the last uh, few minutes that we have, are there any other stories you can share with us? Because these are so inspirational, these stories, just the lives changed, you know, one life at a time impacted, and there's been 100-plus lives, you know, 
that have been impacted, and it's an ongoing thing. Mm. We had um, another lady that was in our uh, One Tribe Mamas project. She has a husband, mm. and she has eight children. Oh. Her name's Veronica. Mm. And her when times were good, her husband had a job as a security guard. Right. And when times were bad, neither of them had any work. Mm. And it, they called them kibaruas, where they would go from place to place, house to house, like just looking for any type of work, because they just have to try and feed their children. Mm. They were yeah, constantly, no work, no food, basically, yeah, no money, no food. Mm. Constantly being threatened with eviction from their home. Right. So. We started Veronica in the One Tribe Mamas project because she was a very vulnerable and the family was very vulnerable. Mm. And from the day she started, she just fully embraced the project. Right. And she was a wonderful mentor. She's probably she's probably early forties. Okay. And she was just a wonderful mentor and teacher to the younger mm. mothers. And um, would help them and um, counsel them. And she just learnt very quickly and was excellent with sewing and um, was just great. She just really embraced everything that we taught her. And the, the wage that she made, it helped the family, but there were 10 mouths to feed. Mm. So it wasn't easy because the husband... Sure wasn't really working. Mm. And we don't, when the ladies come, we, we talk to them about what they really want to do. They don't have to stay mm. sewing bags and things like that if that's not their dream come true. Like right. if they want to start a business doing something else or um, they want to do hospitality or um, something else, then, mm. you know, we try and support that okay. and help them with that. And then they can do their bags on the side. So what she really wanted to do, what she's always dreamed of doing, is childcare. I mean, she's you know got eight children, so she obviously loves children. Yes. She was so good with. She would be a wonderful teacher if she'd had like a full education and you know was able to go to college. But what we ended up doing was um, offering her a carer position hmm. with Mission in Action, and for the first time in her life she had a full-time wage and a stable wage. And this is a lady from the slum area. Yeah. She lived in the slum area of Nakuru in a mm. little tin shanty house yeah. with eight children. And I would say she'd be lucky if there were two rooms in the house. Mm. So, and she's now got a full-time wage and a decent wage at that. Yeah. And she was just over the moon. So she started her job as a carer and the carers get paid monthly. And with her first monthly wage, she used that to start her husband in a business so that they could both work wow. to support the family. Mm. And I was just so proud. Yeah. You know, I just, at that moment, I just thought if 
one tribe mama finishes now, I'm just proud and happy that, mm. you know, it's changed their whole life. Yeah. You know, and thanks to Mission in Action for taking her on and giving her that opportunity. Yeah. She's just over the moon and it's changed their whole family. Incredible. Mm. So giving hope and inspiration to mm. many people. Mm. And these are just wonderful stories of lives that have been impacted. If it wasn't for Mission in Action, if it wasn't for One Tribe Mamas, mm. these stories wouldn't have had the positive aspect, the positive slant they have to them mm. now, where people are hopeful and people can provide for their families. And they have a, a, a future to look forward to because mm. quite often you know, they are in desperation. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who's going to help them and they don't know where they can get their next meal from. Mm. What is the greatest needs for Mission in Action? If people want to get involved... How can they help? The greatest needs is the monthly running costs. Okay. We have real problems meeting our monthly running costs Mm. every month. We don't get any support from the Australian government or from the Kenyan government, which a lot of people think that we would Mm. receive support from the governments. And we don't receive any support from any big churches or anything like that. So we rely totally on small private donors just from our monthly sponsors. So every monthly sponsor that we have Mm. means a lot to us. Okay. And there's a lot of talk out there now about the fact that orphanages are not good places. Mm out in the wider global community. Okay. And, you know, we agree. No one agrees more than us that children should be with their parents. Yeah. And we're – that's the first thing that we do. Yes, as you've been explaining to to us, yeah. The first thing that we do is to try and – Keep the family together, the child with the mother. and Exactly. Mm. However – in a country where the intercountry adoption program is closed, mm. in the last 12 months, there's been 400 local adoptions. That's all. Really? Only 400? There are approximately 3.6 million orphan- orphans. There's no formal foster care program if you close all of the orphanages and the children's homes like ours Mm. and people stop supporting them then basically the children are going to die wow so you need to make sure of where you're supporting Mm. but we need support to keep looking after our children absolutely and you're saying there's only what if you're saying 400 out of 3.6 million, that's like one in 10,000 mm. being adopted out. Mm. That is incredible. So the needs are really great. Mm. And you need that ongoing monthly support to it's make this happen. It's the monthly support yeah, that we I, really need. Ivan was telling me when I was there that you know, if you have a project, like you've got a building project to build rooms to house all the children and all that, mm. people will support mm. that. And then afterwards they think, well, the money's not needed now. They've got the uh, facility. Yeah. But to run the facility, that's actually the real expense. That's the ongoing expense, yeah. and that's what your needs are. That's the hardest part. So if people want to get involved after they've heard the story, 
they can go to your website and mm-hmm. they can provide financial support? Absolutely. Okay, and yeah. that is www.missioninaction.com. Dot au mm-hmm. and it's easy for them to find the donate button or support button. Yeah. There's also other ways they can support, like if they want to go there and they want to volunteer their time a little bit to help out. There's the things that they can do there. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. We'd love to have volunteers. Okay, and if they want to, they can actually email you via the website and get in touch with you. Yes, all our details are on the website. Mm-hmm. And how often do you actually go over there? How often would you take a team with you to go and help and support there? I go over in May. Every May? year and okay. October every year. May and October. So, dear listener, if you're out there and you want to go and do something that is life-changing, not will it only change the lives of the people who need it most, but it will have an impact in your life, which will give you a different perspective, keep May and October in mind and get in touch with Sandra Sturgis at Mission in Action and let her know that you are willing to come and volunteer. Now, this is obviously volunteer, so they have to pay their own costs over there. But once the accommodation is provided, mm-hmm. wonderful. Dear listener, thank you for joining us on the program today. If you have any questions or you'd like to send us an email, you're welcome to contact us. Our email is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That's radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Or you can ring us during business hours on 0249733456. And, of course, if you have access to the Internet, you can go to our website, which is 3abnaustralia.org.au, and you can click on the Listen button there if you want to listen to us with beautiful sound coming through to you via the Internet. Until next time, God bless. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.